0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org.
1: The giant pacific octopus growing up to 100 pounds with arm spans as long as 30 feet. These monstrous animals fit the description of terrors of the deep. Mysterious, terrifying, and surprisingly quite altruistic. Before giving birth, giant octopi mothers will prepare a nursery den where they will carefully care for the up to 100,000 eggs they will produce. For any hope of survival, these eggs require constant guarding and nearly non-stop attention for six months the dedicated mother will protect and provide consistent water movement to oxygenate her eggs and during this whole period she won't eat a thing to ensure the new life of her children the mother octopus will die for the life of her offspring she willingly gives hers up
0: today are you living selflessly or selfishly Not where you would like to be at tomorrow, or where you'd see yourself down the road, but where do you find yourself today? Is your life demonstrated by selfless generosity? It's tough to do that in today's society, isn't it? You think about it, we are caught in a dynamic of economic struggle, of foreclosure, of unsatisfactory employment, and we wonder, why do we have to consider others when it's me that I have to take care of? If I don't take care of myself, then who else is going to do that? We get caught up with the current of going with the world and taking care of myself first. But then we see an example like an octopus. I mean, of all things, an octopus. I don't know about you, but when I think about something with tentacles, I'm not exactly thinking about generosity. I'm thinking more like calamari and good calamari by the beach. That's what I'm thinking about. But yet you see this octopus here that willingly lays down its life for its children. Think about that level of sacrifice in your life today, that you would go above and beyond for something that matters beyond your life. It's amazing to see how this octopus goes without food, literally starves itself, literally goes against the current by providing a new current for the, the babies, the eggs that are in its den there, the nursery den. It is incredible to see how that type of sacrifice is evident in an octopus. I don't know about you, but I find that a little bit challenging and it makes me wonder about uh, the level of generosity that's present in my life. Maybe in your life, you've been the recipient of some kind of generosity that has challenged you. I know for me personally growing up, uh, my family really made a priority when we were young, for my older sister and I, that they wanted to provide a good, solid education. And that required sacrifice. But as a child, you can imagine, I I didn't quite get that. I didn't quite see that. What I saw was other families that went on perhaps large vacations and had all the latest gizmos and gadgets, and then I sat there and compared it to not having those things. And not that that was something to complain about, just I noticed the difference. It wasn't until I got older that I realized the importance of that education and why that was such a priority for them in their lives. But it wasn't even until years after that that I really understood the why behind it and how much sacrifice that actually cost them and the priority they had to place in order to see that accomplished. And it challenges me. Perhaps you've been, had an opportunity like that in your life where you've been challenged because of someone else's sacrifice towards you. But yet it's so uncommon in today's world. Because we are bent on this fact that I've got to take care of myself. It is me, myself, and I that I've got to be watching out for. And we get caught up in that current. It's as if we've turned into selfish survivalists that the only way that we are going to survive is by taking care of ourselves. You know, this is not a new type of issue. If you go back to the 50s and 60s, you'd still see this. If you went back to the beginning where our country was formed, you'd still see this. And even back in Bible times, we find this as well. And today we're going to look at the account of Daniel recorded in the Old Testament, and we're going to look particularly at one king of Babylon whose name was Belshazzar. Now, Belshazzar uh, basically ruled over the Babylonian Empire but he did not uh, was not the one that actually like, founded it. Okay, It had been given to him. He was an heir of the kingdom. His father had done a lot of the work. So to him himself, he got to enjoy the benefits of being king over this great nation, over this great land. In fact, in the previous history, they had gone down and invaded Israel, and Daniel and his friends were part of those people that were brought back into captivity. But Belshazzar, for lack of better words, he, he lived it up. He enjoyed the fact that he was a king, that he had an immense amount of wealth, and that he had an immense following. And we can actually see this in scripture here in Daniel chapter 5, chapter verse 23. Let me go ahead and read that for you here. Uh, There we go. Amen. Thank you. And it says, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hands is your breath and whose are all your ways you have not honored. So we see here that he basically lived it up. He was more concerned about himself, about his wealth, and ways that he could please himself. And it's interesting to see that as he lived in this way, he wanted to bring people to him that would also support that. So he was a big fan of holding these big parties, like a state dinner. And we see one of these events occurring here in the book of Daniel, where he's gathered literally thousands of lords and rich and people, and he brings them together and basically he is celebrating the fact that he is king. And while he's having this big estate dinner, which mind you, while he's doing this, his empire is crumbling. So there are families that are starving, they are in poor repair, and he is still living it up. But while he does this and has this estate dinner, this is what happens. We see this here in Daniel chapter 5. It says that while he's partying and celebrating, he makes this decision. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand and the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed, his thoughts alarmed him, his limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. This guy was terrified out of his mind. Okay, now maybe you've heard this story growing up, perhaps it's new, but if you haven't heard this story, if you have heard this story before, I want you to try to consider this, if this was going to happen here today in this room, okay? So imagine if you were, we're all gathered together, and while we're doing that, all of a sudden a hand just kind of appears out of nowhere, and it just kind of starts free-floating, and and then you see the fingers start engraving in this screen. How do you think you would react? I think you'd be a little bit terrified? I mean, imagine the noise that would make. Imagine seeing a dismembered hand hanging out there. That would be enough. I mean, it's like stranger things in real life. You would be terrified of the writing on the wall. But what was worse is that no one could make heads or tails exactly what this meant. It was like written in an archaic language. They couldn't figure it out. So, King Belshazzar does the only thing that he knows to do, and he reaches out to his astrologers, his magician, and his wise men. He brings them in. They can't make heads or tail of it. And realizing that their king wants an answer, one of them has an idea. There is this guy named Daniel. And Daniel's got all these great gifts, talents, and abilities. I bet you that he might be able to help us out in this situation. So they go ahead and they bring Daniel in, and Daniel comes, he begins to read the writing on the wall, and basically translating what it says. And this is what we see recorded in the Bible. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Meenie, Meenie, Tekel, and Parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Meenie, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians." It's very interesting here in that passage. It's basically all these terms that make no sense, but as Daniel relays them to the king, the king probably is starting to understand because they're all financial terms. You've been counted, you've been measured, you're going to be divided. And I love particularly that word tackle. And to help us out with this tonight, I brought in this handy-dandy balance scale to get this picture. Basically what God says is that Belshazzar, I have taken your life and I have put it in the scales, I have measured it, and you have been found one. You are not measuring up to the standard that I set. Now, don't misunderstand here. He's not saying I'm weighing you against God. He's saying I'm weighing you against God's standard, which is holiness, which is perfection, which is something that we can never live up to. And particularly, Belshazzar had not done that in his life. And God says that there's going to be a consequence because of that. Your kingdom's going to be divided. You are going to lose your lordship as king in this area. And history tells us actually that the Medes and Persians invaded this very night and Belshazzar was killed. Wow. Could you imagine getting that kind of message and just the wonder and amazement, like, what is exactly going on? It really is, it's dumbfounding. But if you contrast that to the attitude, again, that, that Belshazzar had here, he was all about himself. He had lived for himself. It was all about him. He was giving just to satisfy his own desires. But we find this drastically different from the lifestyle of Daniel. You see, with Belshazzar, he had gotten caught in this cycle. That if he was to strive, that somehow that would lead to Success and dissatisfaction. In some way, that was going to help him survive and advance, and we see that that's not the case. But then how in the world do we, why would we want to give then? Why would we progress forward if it's always going to be taken away? Is there something better that we can give beyond our life? Something that matters for eternity. And we see this contrast in the life of Daniel, and in Daniel chapter 5, it continues to say this. This is when Belshazzar had Daniel brought in. This is how he describes Daniel. I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. But I've heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple, have a chain of gold around your neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Sounds like a pretty good deal off the top there. I mean, that's giving him gold, it's giving him raiment, and on top of it, he's going to be like third in the kingdom. King, queen, Daniel. That's pretty awesome. But see, Daniel knew a little better, because he examined the situation and he knew that he was talking about a foundation that was crumbling. Fun fact, I think sometimes in our lives we get so caught up with opportunities that may come our way, and there may be what seems like security in a paycheck, in a promotion, in a position, in a title, and we forget to look at the foundation. The foundation is not firm. It's not seated in Jesus Christ. And Daniel had the wisdom to recognize this and avoid it. And instead of being selfish and taking all those things for himself, he responds in generosity. Check this out. Continuing on, it says, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself, and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king, and make known to him the interpretation. O King, the most high God, God, excuse me. O King, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father, kingship. So what Daniel says here is basically, I'm going to give this, give this to somebody else. I will do the interpretation for you, and I love it how he points it directly back to God. He said, this is not about me, it's about God Almighty. He shifts the whole thing back to him. That is the response of generosity in his life, of sacrifice, realizing that all those things were waiting right there at his fingertips. But he chose God first instead of himself. You know, I think there's a principle here that we can take away and apply to our lives today, thousands of years later, and it's this. Be marked by Sacrifice. Be marked by sacrifice. I'd encourage you to write that down. Uh, Jot it online. You can put it in your phone. Because it might not not be the most profound statement, but I think it's going to help you later on as you face the current of culture that's going to want you to drive you to selfishness. Be marked by sacrifice. And we see this very evident in Daniel's life. And for us, we realize that God has given us, just like he gave Daniel, time, talents, and treasures. And it's up to us to decide how we are going to use them to bring honor and glory to God. Daniel made the decision to point everything back to God. He was not willing to accept fame, fortune, and said he wanted to point everything for the honor and glory of God. In our lives, we should strive to do th- the same thing. We should be marked by sacrifice that points back to God, but how do we do that? And, and maybe the better question is, why would we want to do that either? We see God realizes that in our life, we have this natural bent to go the opposite way, to live selfishly and to go opposite of him. He realized that so well that he wanted to provide a, a example and ultimately a sacrifice for us so that we could understand and follow the pattern that he desires to be present in our life. We see this picture through the life of Jesus Christ. We see this in Romans chapter 5 where it says, We can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we are of no use whatsoever to him. Jesus Christ is our example. You see, you and I were caught up in this current, this current that we call sin. Sin meaning anything we think, say, or do that does not please God, that drives us away from God, drives us towards a destruction forever and eternity. But God... God loved us so much that when he looked down and saw that we did not measure up in the scales, when he saw that we were found wanting, he said, I cannot allow that to happen. And he got involved. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, on earth to die on the cross for your sins. You see, Jesus lived that perfect life, the life that we could never live. And then he willingly took on himself our punishment, all of our sin. The things that we know about, that are seen, the things that are hidden, they were placed on Jesus, and Jesus Christ died and took your punishment. But not only that, he came back to life three days later. He had victory over death, sin, and the grave, and because of that, we can have right relationship with God. When we choose Jesus Christ and choose to follow him in our lives, when we choose to believe on him as Lord and Savior, our scales are leveled. We are found in balance and acceptable before God, not because of anything that we did, but because of what Jesus Christ did for us. That is the example that's given. But make no mistake, there wasn't just one person that sacrificed on that day. There were two. Jesus Christ died on the cross and sacrificed his life, but don't forget about God the Father. God the Father sent his son and had to watch him take that punishment for us to the point that he had to turn his back away from his beloved son. There was an immense amount of sacrifice that was given for us because of the great love that God has for us. That is the example that we are called to live to, to demonstrate generosity in our lives. But how can we actually do that? Simply put, we can do this. We can invest in God's causes, and there's a variety of ways that we can do that to put our focus back on God and away from us. The first is this. Invest your life. Invest your life. Jot that one down too. It'll be helpful to you. Invest your life. You see, we are given with a couple things in our lives that we can point back directly to God. One of those things is time. You know, we might think in our lives that our most valuable things that we have are our bank accounts, but that really isn't it. The most precious commodity that all of us have is the time that God has given us. Check this out. This is how Daniel used his time in this situation. Daniel chapter 5 continues to say this, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation." Now consider this for a second. This probably is not what Daniel wanted to do if it was his choice. This is the king that had, uh, was still overseeing him as a captive. It was probably an uncomfortable situation for him to enter this room, but yet he still chose to give his time. You see, for us, our natural place is to give our time to things that make us feel comfortable things that we enjoy, things that we want to gain some benefit out. But I wonder what would happen if we started giving our time in uncomfortable situations, times where God would show up and point people back to Jesus Christ. What would happen if we live with that kind of generosity in our lives with our time? I bet we can make a huge impact in the world around us if we just gave more time to the things and showed up and said, God, let me, God, do something incredible through me. But not also our time. We can also give our talents and the, those being the gifts and abilities that God has given us. Check this out also in Daniel. These are the talents that God had given Daniel and his friends back in Daniel 1. It says, "As For these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. These were the gifts and abilities that God had given Daniel and that Daniel chose to use in this particular situation, which again pointed people back to God. You know why? This is a, a huge difference from Belshazzar. And I really like this, perhaps you caught it back in when we were describing that feast that was going on. Remember, it says that he went to the temple and took the temple uh, goblets, these fine precious items that were set aside for the things of God, and then he used them carelessly, kind of commonly. And you might say, well, I would never do something like that in my life. I would never use the things of God carelessly or commonly. What about the gifts and talents that he has blessed you with? Are they sitting somewhere getting dust on them? Or are you casually using them for ourselves, to profit for ourselves, to do the things that we want? God has blessed you with those things so you can be a blessing to others. You have been blessed with those incredible gifts and talents that are unique to you, and God desires to use them. But perhaps for some of you, you might be sitting there thinking, well, you know what, I really don't think that I really have anything to offer. In fact, the voices around me tell me that I'm worthless, that there's nothing good I can do. You know, several years ago, I found myself in a season of life where the voices that surrounded me, many of them, said those things. I said, you're worthless. There's nothing good that you can do. There's nothing you can do to bring honor and glory to God. You cannot serve God. You'll never be able to serve God. You know, even as I say that right now, it sounds so false. I know better than that, but it's amazing that when you were in a despairing situation that suddenly those false things start to sound like truth. Perhaps in your life, you've been surrounded by those voices. Maybe there's someone telling you that you can't do anything good for God. Look at your life, there's nothing you can possibly do for God, or maybe it's not the voices around you, maybe it's yourself speaking those things over yourself, perhaps because of situations you've encountered. Folks, get this, we've got to turn those voices down. We've gotta silence them, we've gotta mute them, we gotta turn them off. I'm going to challenge you with this for a second. In our lives, which voice is louder? The voice coming from your phone with the calls and texts and social media posts or the voice of God? Which one is speaking louder? Turn down the things that are turning away from you, God, and make loud the voice of God. Folks, this is important. This is very, very serious that God has blessed you with incredible gifts. Get this and don't miss it. The purpose that God has given you in your life, it is not defined by your past performance. It is identified in the price that Jesus Christ paid for you. It is real, and God has immense things that he wants to do with you through the gifts and talents he has provided you with. Never let anyone tell you that you cannot do anything for God because he found you valuable. He proved that through Jesus Christ. He sacrificed his life because you had value and you had purpose for God to expand his kingdom. Never, ever underestimate that. Now, how do we know this is true? God tells us. Check this out. Ephesians chapter 2 we are his workmanship. Get this. We are. Not that we might be or could possibly become. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How epic is that? Seriously. We are his workmanship. You have been predestined with purpose for the things of God and his desire is to use you in incredibly profound ways that point people back to Jesus Christ. Never ever underestimate that. Now folks, how do we actually do that then? How do we step up in the purposes that God has given us? Quite simply, it's this. Be willing and able. That's it. Be willing and able. Follow after the things that God is calling you towards. And I want to give you a very practical step of how you can do that tonight. Get involved in a dream team here at Lifehouse Church. Start serving in the ways that God is moving you towards, whatever that might be. We have 10 million things that you can get involved with because God has given you unique abilities that he desires to use, and you can use them right here. Sign up for a dream team. Hey, get involved in an outreach. Go on a mission trip, but do something that God is moving you towards. That brings him honor and glory. Now, when it comes to getting involved, usually I hear a couple things, and I want to share this with you tonight. Sometimes we say, Well, I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think there's anything I can contribute. Folks, stop comparing and start following your calling. God desires to do something incredible through you because it's not you, it's God working through you. So keep going after your calling. Another thing that perhaps you might be thinking is, Well, I look around and everything seems like it's pretty well taken care of. There can't be any, possibly, any opportunity here for me. Can I let you know a little secret? It's really not a secret at all. Here at LifeHouse, we believe that we are going to reach the one and one more with the love of Jesus Christ. We are going to share and show his love to everyone in this city, in the regions beyond, and around the world. And guess what? There is plenty of opportunity for you to do that. So get involved. Reach your city, reach your area, reach your neighbors, and bring life change in the name of Jesus Christ. You can make an impact by investing your life through the time and talents that God has given you. So be bold and do that. Not only that, but you can also invest your livelihood. Invest your livelihood. And we can do that through using the treasure that God has given us. Now I know some of you, as immediately as I said, that you're like, oh my word, here it comes. We're gonna talk about giving. We're gonna talk about money. I knew it was coming. Folks, it's not exactly where I'm going. Bear with me for a second. You see, we understand that everything, that come, everything we have comes from God and it is for God. We are a blessing so that we can also be a blessing. We are characterized by being stewards with the things that God has given us. But looking back in our story here in Daniel, we see that Belshazzar was not identified by that. Check this out. Daniel chapter 5 says this. Again, talking about Belshazzar, it says, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know. But the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways, you have not honored. Check this out. It says here that Belshazzar had raised up all these gods that he was pursuing after. I wonder what gods we have in our life that we are pursuing after with our resources. Think about this. What are the gods of gold and silver in our lives? Is it perhaps our bank account, our stock portfolio? What are the gods of, of bronze and iron in our lives? Is that our house or what's parked in the, in the driveway? What are the gods of stone and of wood? Is that the latest gadgets that we have to have? Why are we so focused on ourselves with the things that God has given us? We instead are called to be stewards of what God has blessed us with in our lives. We are called to basically steward them and to give them out as God would lead us to. And you see, we find this very clearly described here with Daniel and his friends. But not only that, we also see it in the early church. You see, right after Jesus Christ died and was buried and came back to life, he left a mandate that the people that followed him were to go out and to change the world. And we see this in the very beginning stages with this early church and how they were characterized with generosity when it came to Check this out. In Acts chapter 4, it says this, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common, and there was not a needy person among them. Isn't that crazy? These are people that came together with the generosity that God had given them and chose to be generous to those that were around them. They gave willingly. They met needs. And folks, I wonder in our lives what would happen if we were characterized with that level of generosity when it comes to the things that God has blessed us with resourcefully, financially. What difference could we make around the world? What difference could you make in your neighborhood if we focused more on the things of, around us apart from ourselves? And again, pointing people back to God as a result of that. There is incredible power when we invest our livelihood because get this, it's an investment not for ourselves. It just lasts for our lives. It lasts for eternity. I think back to the octopus, and again, the octopus is making that decision of sacrificial generosity because she knows that this is going to go beyond her. This is her children. They are going to last for years beyond her. That is why she's willing to sacrifice and starve herself, and that's why she does those things. Again, just characterized by this type of generosity in their lives. But folks, I wonder tonight, where are we at standing with sacrifice? If we looked truly and seriously to our lives, could you say that we are marked by sacrifice? You know, it's been said that if you show someone your checkbook and your calendar, that it can tell them your priorities. Folks, I want to twist that just for a second. If you showed me your checkbook and your calendar, I'll show you where your generosity is at. Let's make sure that we are giving our generosity back to God because he demonstrated it through Jesus Christ. What would happen today if we looked at the scales of our lives? If we were put into the balance, would we be found wanting today? Would we be found so focused on me, myself, and I that we are casting aside the things of God that we're not pointing people to Jesus Christ because we are so focused on that selfish living instead of selflessness? Folks, we can change this. And we can do it today. Folks, I'm reminded again that when that mini-mini-teckle-parson message came to Belshazzar, it said that your days have been counted and that your time is up. And, Folks, I don't mean to frighten you, but I mean to be very real with you tonight. We don't know how much time we have. The time to start living sacrificially for the things of God is not tomorrow. It's not a week from now. It's not a year from now when we get things together. It is right now because it's going to have an impact to change the world around you. And maybe tonight you're thinking about this and you're saying, there's no way I can have that level of generosity in my life. I can't do that. And you're realizing that your scale is so off balance because you've been trying to weigh it yourself. You've been trying to put your good things, your good intentions on the scale and find yourself wanting. Folks, we will never get that balance apart from Jesus Christ. Folks, if you believe on Jesus Christ tonight as Lord and Savior, this is what happens. It's like God says, you know what? We're going to take all of your good intentions and we're going to slide them off the scale. And instead, I'm going to put Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, on the scale in your behalf. You will have right relationship with me. And folks, you can do that today. You can make that decision to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I encourage you to do that. But folks also, maybe for others of us, as you're looking at your life, you're thinking, man, it's been too much about me. I'm not investing my life. I'm not investing my livelihood. I have talents that I could be using for the kingdom that I have not been. Maybe God's been specifically talking to you about ways that you can use your time or the treasure that God has provided. Folks, I wanna encourage you, don't lose sight of this because when you walk out these doors today, the current of the world is gonna come sweeping it again. And it's gonna say, take care of yourself. This is for you. But God is telling you tonight, go against that current. Go against the flow. Go against the elements and follow me with sacrificial generosity present in your life. Folks, I want to challenge you tonight to make those decisions. In fact, let's take a moment now if we could and we're going to pray. If God's been speaking to your heart in either one of those things about accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, or perhaps of getting some, some things changed, that you can live a pattern of sacrificial generosity in your life, now is the time to talk to him about those things. And I want to pray for you if I could. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the great God that you are. God, we realize that you are the generous one because you sent Jesus Christ to earth to die on the cross for us. When we are were of no use to you whatsoever, you demonstrate your love to us. And we say thank you to that, God. God, Lord, I pray for those individuals right now who are making the decision to follow you and trust you as Lord and Savior. God, Lord, give them confidence. Give them boldness as they make that life-changing decision that brings life change through you. But God, Lord, I also pray that you be with those individuals that are saying, God, I need to get things right. I need to give you my time. I need to give you my talents. I want to invest in things that last beyond my life because of what you did for me. God, Lord, may we be bold and may we not miss this opportunity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.